Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Hey, really glad you're with us for the Friday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. Sorry, no good martinis today, but we do have two bads and a crazy to wrap up your work week. And Jim, let's look at our bad martini here right off the top. It's actually a bad and two crazies now that I look at it, but... Uh, Today marks 32 years since the brutal communist Chinese crackdown against the pro-democracy demonstrators in Tiananmen Square. Uh, As you point out on Twitter today, the iconic image from that horrific series of events was the lone man standing in front of the tank. And uh, apparently it's an image that's banned in China, which is probably not a huge surprise. But every year since then, basically, there's been massive uh, demonstrations in support of democracy in China in Hong Kong, Victoria Park, absolutely packed to the gills pretty much for the past 30-plus years. Today, not the case. Uh, We're told there are maybe a couple hundred people ringing the park, holding candles. Some people would hold up candles uh, inside their own homes. But, Jim, you look at these images from previous years, and we're talking about hundreds of thousands at least, if not over a million people, uh, clearly demonstrating their support for the freedoms they enjoyed in Hong Kong for a long time and uh, standing in solidarity with the people in China. Now, those freedoms are still not only not available in China, but they're not available in Hong Kong anymore either. Yeah. And look, you know, the, the initial explanation is that it was for coronavirus fears and, and restrictions on that. Um, the, you know, of course, China would tell us that they've got it completely under control. So, so they, uh, it's completely under control, but also we can't allow people to gather in large groups because of the potential of the virus. Uh, simultaneously, they've also arrested an organizer and a temporary museum to the event was suddenly closed after authorities declared it lacked the necessary licenses to hold a public exhibition. Oh, by the way, Hong Kong security minister also warned residents last week against taking part in unauthorized assemblies. You know, one of the things kind of fascinating about it, and you know, if you're in, if, if you're a young Chinese, you may not know much of anything about Tiananmen Square. The the government has done everything it possibly can to suppress the discussion of it, suppress the uh, to you know, suppress the acknowledgement of it. That infamous image of tank ban is banned in China, and it's good to say, chance to say many Chinese have never seen it. I, I you know, Time Magazine called it one of the 100 most influential images of all time. And I was writing about in the corner earlier today, thinking about like, what do Americans know about China? Well, if you're of a certain age, and Greg, you and I are in that age, but even I think like a couple of years younger than us, uh, you, 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 Tiananmen Square was a really big deal. It came on the heels of the Berlin Wall coming down and other indicators that uh, uh, the world was heading in a more democratic direction. And in China, it was not. It made very clear that no, no, no. This is where you're going to see a violent crackdown of, of those who are calling for more freedom, more democracy, more of a voice in their country. And things haven't really changed that much. So the one thing that Americans know is that the Chinese government is oppressive of its people. And I, I brought this up in the context that people are saying, we have to be careful about discussing the lab leak theory because people can't distinguish between the Chinese government and the Chinese people. And criticizing the Chinese government could lead to more hatred against the Chinese people or Chinese Americans or Asian Americans in general. Now, look, we have always had idiots in this country. And there are, yes, there are a handful of idiots in this country who are not capable of distinguishing between the Chinese government and the Chinese people. But if you look at Tank Man, if you know anything about the Tiananmen Square massacre, you realize that the Chinese government and at least one vocal segment of the Chinese people are not on the same side. 
and they are not morally equivalent. One, you, know, you didn't tank man was not beating up the tanks, right? It was the other way around. It was the protesters who were demanding more freedom, more more voice in their government, uh, who were violently suppressed, many dead, many injured, and there's been a fairly effective effort to uh, erase it from the history books of China which is why those of us outside of China need to do more to call attention to it. And I just think there's like been this fundamental lesson and that since 1989, there has been this major push uh, for the United States to, to try to, re to engage more with China, to trade more with China. The closer we get with them, the more interaction we have with them, the more they'll become like us. Clearly that has not worked and we are trying to make up for that bad decision that has simply accumulated bad consequences decade after decade. Absolutely right, because it was less than a decade later that uh, the I think it was called most favored nation trading status at the at the time. And now it's like permanent permanent trade relationship. And uh, yeah, the, the the argument was the same, even though we had just seen what happened when the people got a taste of uh, freedom and democracy and wanted to push that uh, in their own society. A brutal, repressive crackdown by the Chinese government. And somehow we're still surprised that it turned out that way. Uh, after giving them most favored nation status and not only stayed that way, uh, we've now got people groveling uh, to the Chinese here, like LeBron James and uh, John Cena most recently about uh, uh, calling Taiwan a country perish the thought, even though, you know, it's a country. And so uh, guess whose society has changed more because of that relationship? It's not good. Uh, Greg, just one correction there. That is the playoff eliminated LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> Serious setback for the Chinese government there to see their spokesman go down like that. So. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but anyway, uh, we do have some good news. We've got a brand new sponsor today. It is Made In. Look, how does your favorite restaurant consistently make such delicious food? And the short answer is they have access to the right kitchen tools. They have pretty good chefs too, but uh, I'm guessing you probably have a pretty good chef in your house. Uh, with Made In's professional quality cookware, and kitchenware, anyone is capable of making restaurant-quality food right at home. Made In produces professional-quality cookware and knives for those who love to cook. Now, they source the finest materials and partner with renowned craftsmen to make premium kitchen tools available directly to you without the markup. Now, the Made In products are made to last, and they offer a lifetime guarantee. Their cookware distributes heat evenly and can easily go from the stovetop to the oven. And their knives are fully forged, perfectly balanced, and they stay sharp. They have more than 28,000 five-star reviews, and their products are used by some of the world's best chefs at Michelin-starred restaurants around the world. Made in is better cookware for better meals. And Jim and I are both eagerly awaiting our Made in Cookware. We'll give you great reviews, plenty to talk about uh, as this uh, new sponsor, Made in, uh, spends, uh, is part of the three martini lunch in the days and weeks ahead. But right now, Made in is offering our listeners 15% off your first order with the promo code MARTINI. This is the best discount available anywhere online for Made in products. You're not going to find anything better. Go to Made in Cookware dot com slash martini and use the promo code martini for 15 percent off your first order that's made in cookware.com slash martini and again use the promo code martini all right jim let's uh talk about our first crazy martini now and you could say it's a little bit of bad uh the uh new jobs numbers came out today five hundred fifty nine thousand uh net non-farm jobs added in the month of may Pretty robust for the month, but uh, some experts had the estimate as high as 700,000. And so it's lower than expectations, but it's a lot higher than last month when things were way below expectations. 
So even though it's pretty close to what was expected, maybe just slightly disappointing, the chasm of reaction from partisans here, Jim, is truly amazing. Joe Biden's tweet, today's jobs report shows historic progress. For American families in the American economy, we added 559,000 jobs in May, created a record 2 million jobs in our first four months, and unemployment is at its lowest level since the pandemic started. America's on the move again. Kamala Harris is talking about how this is epic job uh, report from May. Kevin Brady, top Republican over at House Ways and Means. Even with dumbed-down jobs expectations based on April's disastrous report, here's another jobs report falling well short of expectations. Long-term unemployment is higher than when the pandemic started, and labor force participation mirrors the stagnant 1970s. And I have to dig in deeper to see the the U6 rate. Uh, We did see that the unemployment rate dropped from 6.1 to 5.8%, so it's a a question of whether that's because a lot more people got jobs or because uh, some people also dropped out of the labor force, Jim. But when you're fairly close to expectations, you know, you and I would probably be like, man, okay, let's see what happens next month. But but in Washington, it's like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread or, oh gosh, what a disaster. Yeah. You know, as I try to characterize it in the morning, Joel, it is good en- a good enough jobs report that you can't easily call it bad. But it's also a bad enough jobs report that you can't easily call it good. It, it's kind of meh. It's kind of you know somewhere in the middle there. Uh, it's a little behind the projection. And I guess like one of the things to keep in mind is that not only was the Fed expecting like a couple of straight months of million jobs per month created, like on paper this is when the economy should be thriving. Yeah, if you, you know listeners, if you all across the country, most of the country has eliminated most of their pandemic restrictions. Schools have reopened at least most days of the week in most parts of the country. Most businesses that survived the pandemic have reopened. You know, there's lots of help wanted signs all across the whole bunch of, of you know, store windows and shop windows across the country. Like you add it all up. We re- it's not just we should be, oh, we, we created, you know, about a half million or so jobs. That's pretty good. Like we should be doing like twice that. If, if, you know, the on paper, the, the circumstances for, for job creation are about as good as we could get. And remember, we, you know, heading into this pandemic, the economy was roaring along. And the problem of it was not, you know, a real estate bubble burst or uh, some other, you know, banks were failing or something like that. The problem was there was this pandemic and everybody had to stay home and people couldn't go out to their businesses and they couldn't gather in large groups. And we figured, you know, this was ultimately a health problem that was causing economic problems. The health problem is not completely gone, but cases are down dramatically, deaths are down dramatically. Nobody's worried about hospital capacity right now. Things are going pretty darn well on the health front. So you'd expect things to be going pretty darn well on the economic front, and they're going, eh, not okay, I guess, maybe, Uh, which is below expectations. And as you said, the really ominous thing is that the number of people who are in the workforce is not increasing dramatically. You look at that and you can't help but think, hmm, some of that, uh, the, the unemployment benefits that are out there, You've seen, I think, I think we're up to 20 some states with Republican governors who have said, all right, that's it. We're not doing the expanded benefits anymore. This is keeping people out of the workforce. This is people keeping people who, you know, aren't willing to go back to work. Um, we can debate how much that's the factor. I, I also, there's one other thing I'm kind of wondering about, which I think the Biden administration and maybe just, you know, everybody from Wall Street to most economic analysts haven't quite digested as they look at the state of the economy. I was driving around the other week. I just thought about like easily a good three or four of my favorite restaurants in this neck of the woods, you know, authenticity woods, so to speak, um, shut down. And interestingly, they shut, they didn't shut down as soon as the pandemic hit. They managed to hang on for 
couple of months, half a year, in some cases, you know, three quarters of a year. And then I get, as 2020 turned into 2021, they succumbed. They just couldn't make the financials work. They closed the doors. And I'm disappointed because they're a bunch of my, you know, favorite places. I assume those restaurateurs will at some point open up another restaurant. I assume those employees who were working in those uh, restaurants will at some point get another job. But right now, those are empty spaces. Right now, I went, walked by, stools are up on the tables, the lights are off. It's just, you know, the places are dead. And I wonder if we are in that stretch where, you know, look, if you're a big corporation, chances are you got through the pandemic okay. Maybe your profits were down. Maybe if you're Amazon or something, your profits went up fine. They were great. If you're uh, a small business, you had a much tougher time, which is you know kind of universal in, in all these circumstances. But they were obviously small businesses were the ones who were most likely to you know to be unable to pay the rent, not enough customers. Uh, if you're a restaurant, you couldn't get by on takeout and delivery and stuff like that. So they've shut down. The good news is the health problem is gone, but we haven't, the, the next round of small business entrepreneurs, the next round of restaurateurs haven't had a chance to open up their places yet. And so we're in this trough, we're in this deep spot between the next, you know, the next cycle of new folks going out there and saying, hey, I've got a dream, I've got an idea for a business, I'm going to launch that right now. So we'll see how things shake out, but I, I'm, I, these, these are not great job numbers. I don't think it does anybody uh, any favors to pretend that they are. And uh, I find myself, um, uh, I, I, I just wish we could just look at it and say, yeah, you know, this isn't that great. And we also have to say, this is economic doomsday either. Clearly, you want to create you know, jobs. And so it's better to see those six-figure things. The abysmal numbers from last month got you know, uh, uh, revised upward by about 250, which is good. Uh, it takes it from unbelievably disappointing to just merely disappointing. Um, so I think we're just in a... It's, it's a long, sluggish stretch, and I think the, the, the sense among Democrats that Biden was going to instantly bring, come in, be swept in with a big wave of prosperity, it's not coming to the fore so far, and it's time, I think it's time for them to start rethinking whether these unemployment benefits are keeping people from taking all those job openings that are out there. The plan is working. The plan is working. Is everybody. Green shoots, recovery summer. <laughs> That's right. I do want to. with long memories. <laughs> yes, exactly. I do want to say a couple of things in defense of Kevin Brady since I, I kind of made fun of his statement there. First of all, he's one of the nicest people in Congress and he's about to retire next year. So I wanted to say that he's one of the few people in Washington who will ask you how you're doing. And the next time you talk to him, actually remember what you told him the last time. So that's a pretty good uh, characteristic. He also has a second paragraph in this statement, which I agree with entirely. Uh, it says it's time for President Biden to abandon his attack on American jobs, his tax increases, his anti-growth regulations, and his obsession with more emergency spending and endless government checks. I think we can all sign on to that on the right. All right. Let's talk about another way to keep you comfortable, even if uh, the job market isn't where it should be. And that is with my pillow, and specifically the pillows. Uh, sleep on a MyPillow every night. Have for years now, long before they became a sponsor of the Three Martini Lunch. And uh, can't recommend it more. When I don't have it, I can definitely feel the difference. Uh, and now you can refresh the pillows in every room of your home because the premium my pillow is at its lowest price ever. Their current offer is that for a limited time, you can get a queen size premium my pillow for just twenty nine dollars and ninety eight cents, and a king size pillow just five dollars more. Now these premium pillows will never go flat, and they give you the best night's sleep every time. They're made in the United States. They have a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. 
So go to MyPillow.com and click on the Radio Listener's Square. Enter the promo code MARTINI or call 800-874-0104. And while you're there, take advantage of the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Giza Dream bed sheets and the new My Slippers. Love those things, too. Uh, get your premium MyPillow today for only $29.98, but only with our promo code MARTINI. So call 800-874-0104 or visit MyPillow.com today. All right, Jim, for our final uh, Crazy Martini, let's go over to uh, USA Today. But a lot of folks are reporting on this. A highly anticipated government report did not find evidence that the unexplained aerial phenomena, usually known as UFOs, that Navy pilots have witnessed in recent years are alien spacecrafts. No evidence. But the report also does not definitively say they aren't, the New York Times and CNN reported. The two news outlets cited multiple unnamed officials said to have been briefed on the contents of the government report but not authorized to speak publicly. Uh, the government has not reached a definitive conclusion about what these unidentified flying objects are, and many of their qualities remain a mystery. So, Jim, we're very, very grateful for this study that finds no evidence that it's aliens and finds no evidence to disprove that it's aliens. So we're pretty much right back uh, where we started. Um, that's the government for you. Greg, to quote James Toronto, what would we do without experts? <laughs> so, so, you're, cause, so you're telling us you found nothing. Is that what you're telling us, uh, <laughs> intelligence officials? Now, I should point out that they are, you know, their explanation was like, look, they have you know determined no evidence that they were um, you know, did not originate from any American military or other advanced U.S. government technology, right? So that eliminates the possibility that you're seeing unexplained aircraft that, you know, is a government program the government meant to keep secret. Um, Greg, if there were secret government programs, would they tell us? No. So we really can't even take that denial. <laughs> right. So, so you're telling us nothing is what you're saying. You're telling us you spent all this time. You're you know, the only conclusive finding of the classified. And by the way, like when they say, you know, we're not going to tell you that that's the Aurora spy plane or any of these other guys. Like, I, you know, okay, fine. You're trying to keep it secret. Go right ahead. Except if you've got the flying pyramid, don't do it. You know, try to try to avoid populated areas. You know, you'd like to check. Hey, do we have any patrols in that area? Okay, well, keep them away from the you know the board cube or whatever else we're working on. Um, and we, we discussed this earlier and I pointed out that like aerospace technology innovations are tougher to keep secret than like cybersecurity or, you know, energy or some other kind of, you know, research that you do, because if you develop some amazing new flying device, you want to take it out at some point, you want to test it. Yes, we have Groom Lake, Area 51 and all that kind of stuff. And that's where, you know, people sometimes camp out and see if they can get pictures and all that stuff. Sooner or later, somebody's going to see it on satellite, somebody's going to see it on radar, or somebody's going to see it flying around. It's just really tough to keep these things secret. So the idea that's this, uh, you know, it's always going to be a little, little sketchy. Um, the claim that, you know, well, we, you know, the, the headline in the New York Times almost sounds like a parrot. Like you, you'd expect this to be in the onion. Quote, U.S. finds no evidence of alien technology in flying objects, comma, but can't rule it out either. <laughs> Unquote. Well, thanks, guys. You know, so, yeah, just just put a big headline, maybe. <laughs> 
No, that's exactly right. And just in case you're wondering, I don't think Area 51 is what uh, they depicted it as in Independence Day. It is, um, uh, you know, for developing uh, uh, more advanced aircraft. But, Jim, you know, you know that somewhere uh, in the bowels of the government, there are low-level staffers and interns who, like, worked around the clock and into the night. The margin on page 58 isn't right. There's a typo and there's a missing comma on page 33. And so they're stressing and they're missing meals and uh, they're they're sleep-deprived. And in the end, the conclusion is, yeah, we have no idea. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It, you know, it's a very good point. The idea, the need to take that much time, you know, three, a, a one page, you know, some executive summary. Well, I don't know. You know, that, that could have been it. That's all they really need to do there. At least they get. You know week. what? Somebody wanted to get early into the weekend. I think that's what they. That's exactly right. Rest up on this weekend. You'll have another irrelevant report to start working out on Monday. Jim, see you then. See you. See you Monday, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, we're happy to report that it appears the Apple Podcast subscriptions are fully operational. It's like the Death Star, only with good stuff. Uh, so uh, hopefully you're not being completely inundated with back episodes. But if you are, please make sure to listen to all of them. Uh, they're worth your time. Uh, we're also very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Uh, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a great weekend and please join us again on Monday for the next Three Martini Lunch. There's never a shortage of stuff going on in the news, and we're here to help break it down for you all. Questions are still being raised regarding police reform as the anniversary of George Floyd passes. New reports on the origin of COVID-19, and how is there a possibility of more stimulus checks? It's time for everyone to get back to work. Hey, it's the Chicks from the Chicks on the Right podcast. Download and subscribe to our daily podcast to hear us pick apart and pick on the news of the day. Politics to pop culture, nobody's safe, but it's all fun. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.